All right, welcome to another episode of Dynasty Kings. This is our seventh episode. Um, Mike did a Devi episode last week. Mike, how are we doing today? We're doing okay. We're doing okay. Not great? No, it's not great. It's not great. Well, why is it not great? I just there's just some leagues I should be winning and I'm not. So, you know, it just means I'm not doing not doing my job out here. Yeah, well, not necessarily, man. I've seen some really good really good 0 and 3 teams with just guys who are underperforming. And you can't predict um guys like Allen Robinson and whoever right. else, you know. But um let's go ahead and get started. Um, who do we have first up to discuss tonight? We got our boy Mike Williams. Is he the real deal? Mike Williams. Man, what what a crazy start to the season. So he is number two in fantasy points for wide receivers currently uh, in half PPR. And they the Chargers got a new um New offensive coordinator and Mike Williams was getting hyped in the pre um, in the offseason saying, "Hey, this guy is going to be stepping into the Michael Thomas role uh, that he had with the Saints." And I think a lot of people bought it to some degree, but here we are, and he is dominating. Do you think that's going to continue? Yeah, I do. We talked about this last week with his uh, ADA and how the new OC is using him, and I don't really see this changing at all, like barring an injury. Yeah, I remember looking at the average depth of target last week. I think it was it was almost ten yards less per. Right, so it average. was it was like nine point four this year, and last year it was something ridiculous, like seventeen point something. Right, that's right. much different. But here's the thing: it's clear that he is a favorite target in that new offense because Keenan Allen, he's producing, but not not to what he was. What has he done this year? Keenan Allen's um, he's a fifteenth receiver, which isn't bad, but. I think it's clear Mike Williams is the guy there right now. Yeah, they're absolutely force feeding Keenan Allen last year. If you watch last year's hard knocks, I think one of the things that uh, Justin Herbert did was went up to Keenan Allen himself and just kind of like, I'm paraphrasing here, but pretty much tell him, hey, you're the guy and I'm going to look for you every single time. And that's what he did right. year one. That's what he did year one and it worked out. And now he's got more experience. He's, you know, he's reading the zone a little more. Which is weird because we've now got a what a year six breakout. Is he year five or six? He was with Corey Davis class. Four. Four? He's not five. four. It's either five, five. or six. Okay. okay. He's fifth because the Titans no. didn't pick up They didn't pick up his extra year either. He's a free agent after this year. Did they franchise tag him? I'll I'll look it up while you while you, while you keep your arms. Well, okay, the only I was gonna note what's interesting here is so Keenan Allen is not leading uh, in fantasy points as between those two receivers. It's it's Mike Williams, but Keenan Allen is actually playing more snaps. I just looked it up. Every week Keenan Allen has played more snaps. So the first week it was six more. This uh, second week it was eleven more snaps, and then this past week was seven. So it seems like Keenan Allen's still probably going to be worked in, and maybe he ends up closing the gap between that role, um, but. But Mike Williams looks good. I don't know. Here, what, what do you think about that, honestly? Do you think – so we just looked up Keenan Allen seeing more snaps. Do you think he's going to close that gap? I, I just think it's going to be more of the same, so I don't know. Uh, obviously, the touchdowns aren't coming Keenan Allen's way. I don't think he's a touchdown machine. And I think Mike Williams is the, uh, is the end zone. Is the end zone, like, you know, yeah, the red zone. Yeah, he's target for sure, yeah. Right. So I think we're just going to see more of the same. So you ex- Okay, so you expect that to continue – 
Are you trying to buy or sell? You think anybody's going to be able to? You think you're going to get them at a reasonable price? Uh, no, I don't. I, I really don't. Yeah. You're going to ask for more. I'm not going to be able to get him. I, I think he's. If you have him, you're holding. Unless you're like not a contender, maybe you want to sell because it's his last year with the Chargers. Well, they didn't extend him. Doesn't mean they can't work out a new deal off season. So if, if you're going to sell him, you're selling him because you believe he's going to go to another team. So. so you're talking dynasty. Right. Right. Correct. Correct. But redraft wise, yeah. you're starting him. You're holding on to him. Uh, you know, I don't think he's going to. I don't think he's going to drop from you know wide receiver two numbers. He'll just be a stud every week. So someone offers you AJ Brown for Mike Williams. Are you doing it? And recap? No. No, that's that's crazy. Think about right. think about if somebody posed that question to you last year. How quickly and how how how, how quick we would be to judge that person for oh, be, making such an asinine offer. Yeah, that yeah. is wild, and that shows how quick things can change. We got a new offensive coordinator. He's clearly unlocked uh, Mike Williams. I think he's good to go. Uh, he's a real deal, guys. If you can. If you can attain him, do it. Um, I, I do expect a drop. He's not going to maintain top three. I don't think that's going to happen. No, I think no. top ten is is reasonable. Right. Um, so yeah, that's what that's yeah, what we got to say on Mike. Go ahead. And, and here's and here's the thing about Mike Williams too is that he's flashed in the past, like the last whatever five years. He's, he's been leaving for five years. Looked it up. He's flashed enough that you you would feel good about having him on your roster. He just hasn't put it together. And this is this looks like it's the fifth year breakout campaign. There's always one every year, and it looks like it's Mike Williams. He's gonna be the, the fifth year breakout. Right. Cool. All right. What do we got next? All right. Look, we got fancy duds, Robert Woods and Allen Robinson. What do we do with these guys here? That's tough. Um, I, I obviously so I'm I'm a big buy low sell high guy. You're never gonna hear me say sell this stud for low because we have two guys with track records of producing. And we're talking about three-game sample size. So that's it's not great that they haven't produced. I, I start getting worried after four. Really, that's where I like that's put where I put my threshold. Four games. So you have four games to get it together. If you don't, I'm starting to panic. Um, but if you get it together by that fourth game, I'm okay because three games is not a huge sample size. Four is like, okay, man, you've had four chances now. I can understand three. And and I don't know why that's my number, but I think that's reasonable. Uh, that's 25%. No, I- you know, well, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think I think after four games, you understand a team's identity. You can no longer use the excuses like, "Oh, it's just game scripts." Oh, it's it's whatever weak weak excuse you can give. Right. Once it hits that four week mark, and they're just not producing, they're just not producing. And that's it. Right. So I'm right there with you. Um. So I do want to see Robert, but here's the thing. Okay, so Robert Woods is playing in an extremely explosive offense. Yeah. There's no way he doesn't pop. Like. He's going to pop. Is he going to be what he was last year? Probably not, but it's certainly still possible. Like that's that's not a guy I'm fading. Okay, if you have him, hang on to him. If you can buy low, I think he's a good buy low because that's it's not an offense that's like um, the Bears where we thought Allen Robinson was quarterback coach proof, but <laughs> I think we're starting to see that that those are affecting him now. Unfortunately, um, right. So so that's where I stand with that. Buy Robert Woods. Um, Allen Robinson, I don't know that I want to buy him. Um, and it's not a talent thing. It's a, we've got Matt Nagy trying to, sorry, I don't know where I cut out, but Matt, we got Matt Matt Nagy trying to, he's telling the media, he doesn't know who's starting between Nick Foles, uh, Justin Fields and Andy Dalton. And, and that's a huge red flag to me because 
if if you don't know who your quarterback is, if those guys all three look that bad, and we saw what Justin Fields did, it was not impressive. I think we have a, a no. title for him later, so we'll save it for later when we discuss Justin. But, but yeah, I, I want Robert Woods. I don't think I'm buying Allen Robinson unless it's super, super cheap. I mean, you could throw a, a third a third rounder at Allen Robinson. If somebody's dumb enough to do that, definitely do it. But I don't think you're going to get him for a third. Would you, in redraft, would you trade uh, these two guys for Mike Williams? No. I would wait until they both popped off and I would try and sell. I, would trade them I, think, I, don't, I don't think I'm selling Robert Woods, um, period. But Allen Robinson, I'm definitely selling after he has the next big game. Yeah, so I, I'm also worried. We, we talked about it a few weeks ago about how rookie quarterbacks um, don't bode well for their top receivers. Just historically, they don't really – they don't throw enough for it to matter. And then the dual-threat quarterbacks lower the value even more. And this is exactly what's happened to Allen Robinson here. Um, he did have a hard matchup week one. I think it was um, Jalen Ramsey. Uh the um, Denzel Ward was on this past week. I can't remember who the week two corner was on him. But it, I, I think there's a tough matchup, but I also think it's, it's a lack of production because of quarterback play too. So I, I'm a little worried about him long term. I, 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 people would call this a fade. I faded in preseason. I ranked him, I think my wide receiver 23 on the year. Um, and now I feel pretty good about that. Probably might drop a little lower. And Robert Woods, you're right. He, he, his time is coming. He's going to have a great game one time, and then I would try to try to sell. It looks like it's Cooper Cup show over there. Yeah, um, interesting note, though. Cooper Cup has only played six more snaps than Robert Woods. So Robert Woods right. is still getting the snap percentages. He actually out-snapped Cooper this past game. Uh, so that's noteworthy for sure. Uh, I'll pull up uh, I'll pull up the Bears real quick. I think it's worthwhile to speak on. Okay. Actually, I don't, I, I don't because I know he's getting a ton of snaps. He's just not producing. So. Right. All right, let's move on to um, the next Bears. This is Justin Fields. Oh, perfect. So, ironically, we were just talking about Justin Fields. He looked atrocious. And I don't want to condemn Justin Fields as a rookie quarterback playing in an absolutely terrible scheme. Matt Nagy is getting a ton of just bad media, and he should. Uh, That scheme was terrible. There were plays that just made no sense. Um, And and with that said, you've got a guy – I don't want to compare him to Gaze. A lot of people are doing that. Adam Gaze is the – I had a tweet on this. He's the creme de la creme of garbage. There's, you're not going to get a garbage head coach as bad as Adam Gaze. But Matt Nagy, he's at least flashed. He's shown some talent or ability to coach, and he's also have players that actually like him. Adam Gaze, then you're going to be – you're going to have a difficult time finding that. Um, but, but I put this more on Matt Nagy than I do Justin Fields. There's just not enough talent or – Maybe not talent is the correct word. Uh, there's not enough scheming and coaching ability around him to support any of that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And um, who's going up against Miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney? Like, that's a tough front seven to go up against. I mean, that was a tough matchup. If, if he had, I'm giving a little bit of a scapegoat here, but if he had like an easier matchup, you know, some way with a really weak, a weak front seven, I, I would expect more. But like, I'm, I'm good to give him the pass on this as a rookie. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, this so. isn't a, I'm done with Justin Fields, but it's definitely a huge concern. Man, I started him in Scott Fishbowl. Do you know how many points he had in Scott Fishbowl? Uh, like three. Negative 16. <laughs> Negative 16 <laughs> points, bro. I was uh, the 19th highest scorer in my 
50 man division this week for 200. Nice. So I'm doing all right. That's good. Yeah, I'm doing all right. Yeah. I. Yeah. Hey, let's just roll right into the other rookie QB while we're at it. Let's just talk about okay. the other ones. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I was Mac Jones here. You know, Patriots fan. They look terrible. They looked atrocious. Um, John Smith looked good. I am. I'm out on the Patriot tight ends. I. I was watching him get beat on the blocking i know he's a tight end and he's not like the tackle but he's really terrible on that and then um i just i'm I, i'm not like throwing the title on Jones. of course i i i wanted to be a conservative quarterback all year i wanted to have that safe floor as far as like fantasy goes for the whole year if you told me like what's a blowout game for matt Jones, it's probably like 250 and two touchdowns yeah yeah i don't see him doing that this whole entire season yeah, um, I, I was talking about, or I wasn't talking. I saw a commentator, somebody, somebody who was in the know or a knowledgeable football mind, was talking about how they're not allowing Mac Jones to throw the ball down the field. Do you think that's because of a lack of skill, a lack of trust? What do you think that is? Because average depth of target like is atrocious, and, and I don't know what it is off the top of my head. I remember looking it up last week, and I know it didn't increase based on just tight end targets this week yeah i think also one of the sixes i i actually didn't hear about that i i assume it's for a confidence standpoint they just want to be real conservative that that's just the way the patriots have been um which is fine by me i don't really think that's mad i i like Nelson Aguilar as a talent i don't think he's a top talent though so i i couldn't yeah. comment on that besides that i guess my thing is when you when you have a a, th- a deep threat that opens up so much of your of the rest of your game, right? And if if a defense knows that you're not gonna try and throw the ball over the top, they're they're gonna give that to you all day, and they're just gonna press. And so when your average depth of targets three yards, and you're throwing one deep ball a game, they, I mean that's not scary, and defenses can plan for that. So Mac Jones is gonna have to start throwing the ball downfield. I don't know if that's scheme, if that's coaching, or what, but. That's got to change, um, and you know I'm I'm as big of a Mac Jones fan as anybody, but he is he looked bad this week, and his receivers didn't help him out. I know Johnny Smith dropped a ball that turned into an interception. Uh, he, Johnny had six targets, one catch, which is just atrocious. So, I, and I think they'll bounce back in a good way, but I don't think it's going to be an elite team. You know, like Mac Jones. I don't think yeah. you go from looking like that and that offense being that stagnant to just being an explosive offense. Like, I guess we expected uh, a massive turnaround with after the Cam Newton phase, but right. I'm not seeing it. He's not. There's no. Yeah, I, I, there's nothing that's like scary for a defense. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. They're trying to win their games through their defense and then have him put up like 21 points a game, and that's it. Right. Um, yeah. Let's talk about Trevor Lawrence then. Uh, I, I watched the game. I, I don't know. I This is the first time since off season, like since like December, that I felt like Urban Meyer looked a little okay. Like he started getting the running game involved. Um, he started calling yeah. plays where Trevor Lawrence looked capable. Um, they didn't come out with the win, but like I, it made me feel a little better about Trevor Lawrence. I, I'm not worried about him at all. It's going to be a bad year, but you know he's still showing some flashes out there. Yeah. For rookies to step in and just dominate, that's an anomaly. It just doesn't happen very often. It does happen, just not often. I guess uh, the touted generational quarterback, you would expect that, but I think you and I were both in on the fact that we didn't think he was generational. We do think he's both. He's a very good quarterback. 
I don't think anybody would doubt that, but he doesn't look generational. When I, when I think of generational, I think of a guy who's ab- absolutely just changing the game electrically. And Deshaun Watson, a Russell Wilson, a guy doesn't matter what you do, you just can't stop him. And Trevor Lawrence is good. He's shown flashes, but he's making a lot of turnovers. And I think a lot of that's on Urban, though. Um, but again, and I would agree, I would agree that he did look better this week. Uh, Urban from a scheming. Finally, James Robinson's involved. I know you love that. We'll talk about him later. Yeah. Uh, oh, Trey Lance. Trey Lance. You think there's so? not, dude? Yes. Oh my gosh. What is Shanahan doing? That is a guy that I've respected his coaching since for about as long as 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 he's been in, as he's been in the league, right? I think but, he okay, holds so grudges for too long. I really do. He puts players in the doghouse for maybe a few mistakes. I'm not really sure what the doghouse. The reason why they get right. the doghouse, I'm going to get the doghouse stuff. I don't know, They're but stuck there. here's the way I see it, dude. Okay, so so obviously I was very fed up with the Trace Herman thing. You know that. Twitter knows that. It's a guy that you moved up to get. Um, and I still, right. I still think there's certain aspects to where you don't need to panic on him, but we're going to talk about him later, so I'll save all that. Oh, are we already there? Is that next? No, we still got to talk about Zach Rosen. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there in a second then. Um, okay. But basically, you've got Ayuk, you've got – Trey Lance, you've got their uh, guard, I think his name's Aaron Banks, and Trey Sermon. Okay. Your first three draft picks aren't playing. Why are your first three draft picks not playing? Takes time I actually don't know anything about Aaron Banks. I'm, I know nothing about Aaron Banks. Well, you know, I got to digging because that's what I do. I, I want to either affirm or negate my thoughts, right? I want to say, yes, right, Jake, right. you're right on that idea, or no, you're not, mm-hmm. right? But I looked into Trey Sermon, like, okay, well, Trey Lance isn't playing. Who else did they draft? Their second round pick is a guard. He's not playing either. And it's like, all right, man, have you forgotten that you have these rookies? Do you really feel like they're not capable or are you that bad at drafting? Because it's one of the three, right? Right. Like something's got to be given there. Like you, I don't know. It's just, it's not common for a first and second rounder to not play. And I think it's odd that you moved up to get a third and then you're starting a six and an undrafted free agent over them. But we'll see what happens. Um, we can move on to Zach. I'll, t- I'll touch on Trey in a second. Okay. Uh, well, just just for Trey Lance, I, I don't think they're going to get rid of Jimmy G until he loses. Um, so as long as he keeps cranking out those dubs and looking like mediocre, they I think they're going to be all right with him. They just lost the Yeah, but was, was it a bad loss, though? I mean, what it's was the, the, Packers, what was the score? It was pretty low score. <sighs> I got to look it up. Yeah. So, all right, so Zach Wilson, though. Zach Wilson here, he's, he threw four picks against the Patriots last week. This week, he looks pretty bad, too. I think it was a, it was a shutout. It was, it was 23-0. Denver, something like that. It's a good defense. Um, are you panicking on Zach Wilson right now? I'm having some technical difficulties over here. What would you say? Are you, are you panicking on Zach Wilson right now? No, I'm not. Um, I, it's the Jets, first off. The Jets have a way of just not getting the best out of players. I do like Robert Saleh, though, or Saleh, however you say his last name. Um, and I think he's going to turn that organization around, but it's going to take time. We're talking about a team who's atrocious, you know. That's not a good team there. They do have some talent. I think Elijah Moore is going to develop. I think Corey Davis is going to be just fine. Um, yeah, they got they got the brakes beat off of him this week. It was bad. So um, I hope they get it together. I think he's going to be okay. I'm not panicking on him yet. Uh, what about you? Okay. Um, I think so. I, I haven't seen any flashes to me feel confident. You know, there's there's none of that. It's been 
two straight weeks of actual garbage. Um, I can't even remember week one, but I don't remember coming off him. Oh, week one he was with Corey. Corey yeah. Davis. Okay, I don't know. Do we do we want to do like a one through five on a panic meter for each of these guys? I mean, we can we can throw a number at them. Okay, Maybe one right. through ten Plus, give us a little more. Okay, one through ten. Work. Give me uh, give me Zach Wilson. One through ten. What ten being panic or and zero yeah. being no panic? Correct. Say Correct. a four. A four. Okay, I think I'm more at like a six. I'm a little past that halfway. Okay. All right, Trey Lance. Uh, I'm not knocking a guy until I see him. You know, this goes back to opportunity. I'm not going to punish a guy for not getting opportunities. I think in a lot of situations, I think skill is typically the um, what what's ma- that's typically the decision maker that says, okay, hey, this guy is on the field. I don't think that's the case with rookies. Uh, I just gave you three examples of of guys being drafted and not getting opportunities. Like I, I know that Shanahan. I keep getting into Trey Sermon because I have a lot to say on him, so I'll stop. But, okay. Okay. Um, I'm not panicking on him. I want to see him play first, so we'll wait for that. Okay. So like a like a low like two three. Yeah, we'll say three. I'm probably at a four. I thought he was a, a plus preseason, so I'm, I'm probably already I'm already there. Um, Mac Jones. Mm, I'd say again a four. I'm at a one. I'm not worried about yeah. it. Okay. Uh, Trevor Lawrence. Okay, so I guess with him, my concern is that his coach is going to run him. So oh. let's say a five. Okay, I'm I'm thinking the same thing. The coach might ruin it, but I'm more like a three. That's that's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, who are we leaving out? Uh, Justin Fields. Justin Fields. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go six, bro. That was a really bad game. I'm with you. I think I'm with you. I, I am. I am very high on it. And then we didn't talk about him, but Davis Mills. Davis Mills got in. Oh Davis yeah, yeah. Mills we, have, we definitely discussed looking him. like a Davis, one of the quarterbacks. He didn't look bad, man. You know, and I guess here's the thing: when we have these expectations oh. low for a guy, and he steps and he does okay, you're like, all right, man, this guy might be pr- pretty damn good. And then vice versa, when you have these guys that you're expecting to just be studs, they don't perform. Then you're, maybe you're being a little harsh. So I don't want to. I don't want to go too easy on him. Because he didn't look great. I mean, he freaking threw the ball at, at, um, at Cooks. But also, I believe he only had five passing attempts in the first half. Nope. I'm sorry. That's not correct. It was five almost all the way into the half. And then on his last drive before the half, two-minute drill, he had a few more. But they didn't give the guy a lot of opportunities to throw. So sample size isn't there. I want to see more. But um, when they did give him the opportunity to throw, he looked pretty good. So, I mean, I'd say yeah. a three, you know. All I'm going to say is the Texans are surprisingly looking like a more put-together organization than some of the teams out there right now so far. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that crazy? It's wild. It's wild. All right, let's, let's, let's get back on track here. Let's talk about Rondale Moore. Rondale Moore finally came back down to earth this week. Yes, he did. I am going to pull up the snap share for them because, um, uh, because this has been interesting for him. He's been really good on not a ton of touches. Or, uh, opportunities. So Rondell Moore uh, has only played 71 snaps. There's three receivers who have outperformed, or not outperformed, but outsnapped him. So DeAndre Hopkins at 181, AJ Green at 159, and Christian Kirk at 115. So the low man on the totem pole there is Rondell Moore at 71. The highest snap share he's gotten was 46%, which is not bad for a rookie. 
Um, And he's making the most of his opportunities up until this week. And you kind of expect that if you're tracking like snap share, that stuff's really important because it tracks opportunity really. So opportunity comes on targets, but oh, I got to sneeze. I'll keep talking, man. All right, so his his first his first three games, just for everyone listening, his uh, Excuse me. bless you. His snap percentage was twenty nine percent, forty three percent, and then thirty four percent. Um, I don't understand why they would go down in snap shares after he exploded that one week. Clearly, it's, it's game script. Yeah, yeah, it's clearly it's that. But now my my question to you, because well, is Christian Kirk is there in the field, and it seems that it seems DeAndre Hopkins is number one, right? Like no doubt, yeah, clearly, yeah. Uh, but then it seems like each week it looks like we're going to juggle between who the number two is between Christian Kirk and Rondell Moore. The number three. A.J. Green's getting more snaps than both of them. Yeah, what about the targets, though? The air yards. That's what I want, the targets. We're talking about targets and targets and air yards. Okay. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I'm not super confident in that. I think A.J. Green just put up, like, 16 fantasy points. He had a good week. Um. AJ Green, DeAndre Hopkins stated in the offseason that AJ Green's the best. He looks the best of all wide receivers he's lined up with. Okay. On the same team. That's and uh, D Hop maybe just past his prime or is still in his prime. And I would say I'd say the latter. He's still in his prime. D Hop also said Rondo Moore didn't impress him at all whatsoever. I mean that's maybe that's him just being tough, but the fact yeah, that I he's mean, willing to say that about somebody when he doesn't normally say that, I think that says a lot. The snap share says a lot, too. We're talking about three weeks, and he just performed in week three. Yeah, I mean, because of a touchdown. But besides that, I think Christian... Well, Christian do you know Kirk the stats is, off the top of your head? Uh, they're pretty even on targets. But, yeah, AJ Green's getting far more snap percentage. He's gotten six every single week. Oh, he didn't get a touchdown. Excuse me, he did not. He just got 112 yards. Uh, yeah, I can't pull up game stats over here. So, so yeah, I guess I guess AJ Green is averaging Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk is doing more with his targets, but yeah, he's, they're all he's, pretty, yeah, they're all just pretty even. Look, I, these high volume passing offenses, I think their number two, number three guys are like viable flexes. And if you're in a deep league, or maybe you're in a you have a depleted roster, I, I think you can start Rondell Moore or Christian Kirk or AJ Green. You got you got to take your guess with what week to play them. Maybe not Rondo Moore just yet because the snap percentages aren't there. But if you want to juggle between Christian Kirk and AJ Green, your flex because you're you're just you know you're depleted. I think I think that's pretty good. That's okay. Yeah, not terrible. Uh, Christian Kirk's one of those late bloomers. He's just a guy I've never been on. So I'd rather roll the dice with AJ Green for talking okay. redraft. Uh, but Dynasty, right. obviously, he's old. He's probably not the guy I want to own. No, Chris. Yeah, I mean, and clearly Rondo Moore. Rondo Moore was drafted to be. Kirk's replacement. Yeah, and absolutely we'll probably do that sooner than later. Yeah, well, I mean, we got we watch these snap percentages because it just went up and then went down. Yeah. So, yeah. but once once it passes a certain threshold, like you know, it'll be on the radar. We're talking about three weeks for a rookie, though. You know, we got a full season. And it's typical that these players come on in the latter half. So, right, Rondell Moore, uh, he came back down to earth, but he's a guy that I probably. I don't probably. I have him on several teams. After that, I was able to just grab him as a free agent and redraft. And he's just sitting on my bench. I'll wait for him to increase those snaps. And once he's done that, once he's at that like probably sixty percent threshold, then I'm probably gonna start uh, start rolling with him. I think we're ready, yeah. Mark. I'm ready for you. 
Okay, sounds good. Yeah, I, just closing thoughts on Rondell Moore. As far as like owning rookies going, you want him to show flashes, and he's now showing you the flash of that would be potential. And he, he lines up all the analytical numbers too. So if you're a Rondell Moore owner, you should feel confident going into year two. Agreed. All right, here we go. All right, next topic is going to be DeAndre Swift, RB3 on the season so far. Yeah, I'm trying to pull up uh, the stats because this is a good one. Yeah, so if you bought the DeAndre Swift dip in the offseason from the whole, like, he might have killed somebody in Philadelphia thing, uh, good for you. Hats off. Applaud yourself. Pat <laughs> yourself on the back. Um, he is mine and Jake's both RB5 and Dimes. I might have to move him up. <laughs> but Yeah, I need to fix all my rankings. He's – He's still limited in touches, and he's absolutely killing it. Um, yeah, I mean, you should go out there and get yourself get, get yourself DeAndre. If you own Zeke, trade for DeAndre Swift. If you own Saquon, if I, don't, I don't know do about it. that. Yeah, dude, I have DeAndre Swift, and the guy who owns Saquon's ready to move him. And I thought about offering it, and I don't think I want to. I don't think I want to do that no. because we're talking about a guy who's excelling, working in a committee, like. I, I don't know the targets off the top of my head. That's what I'm trying to look up because it's 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 whack. Like it's really. I, I got you. I got you. Keep going. So, um, okay. So, all right. His targets for the first three weeks are eleven, five, and seven. Eleven, five, and seven. You have a running back who's getting receiver type targets. He's producing on those targets. He's catching, and he's also a solid uh, yards after catch guy. Like he's he's yep. good. DeAndre Swift also has. Got 11 attempts week one, eight attempts in week uh, two, and then 14 attempts in week three, right? right. So this, this guy's running the ball as the lead back. He's also catching the ball as the lead back. So Jamal Williams is going to work in, but to me that just shows like his opportunity and how good he is. So if something happens to Jamal or – you don't want to. You don't want to try and predict injuries. That's I, I don't like that. But um, the point is, DeAndre Swift's effective with him there. He's going to be more effective if something happens, and he's already, and he's going to produce and continue to produce regardless. Right. So that's a guy. Uh, I'm extremely blessed right now. In one league, I have Aaron Jones, Derrick Henry, and DeAndre Swift, the top three running backs. Three and zero. Very excited about that. Nice, um, nice. Yeah, and, and for everyone listening, if you guys are worried about yards per carry, because they're not high, um, I'm not. The first week was against San Francisco. That's a great defense. Second week is Green Bay. Okay, he should have gotten more snaps there. He should have looked better there. Um, and then his third week was Baltimore, you know. Uh, he has a really nice soft schedule for the playoffs. You look at his playoff schedule, you got Denver to start off, so that's not great. But he got Arizona, Atlanta, and Seattle. So he's, he's going to have a nice playoff run. Arizona's defense is looking better this year so that yeah. might be tough to say but we'll see what happens deandre swift yeah. though if you can get him he's the real deal he's not he's not Acquire a fluky him. guy um, if you follow me on twitter uh i talk about him all the time because i his uh one of my favorite stats to look at is yards per opportunity or uh, sorry fantasy points per opportunity and deandre swift is an absolute stud every time he touches the ball his points are exceptional he uh, i think he ranked like 15th of qualifying running backs last year and we've got guys with not significant amount of touches he was one of the highest with over 150 touches last year which is really good so he's a real deal we've been on him in the offseason you can get him get him don't don't trade the guy 
Mike, would you trade Saquon? Yeah, would you a lot trade Deon- for this year. Would you trade Swift for Saquon right now in redraft? Like, am I getting Swift? Yes. You but if I'm Swift. trading away, yeah. no, I'm not trading him away. I'm not trading away for anybody that's not like. I don't even know if I do it for CMC. He's hurt uh, right now, and I don't know. His... I would. You think? All right, all right. So if I'm confident, I'm going to make the playoffs. Yes, absolutely. Okay. And... Okay, that's a good one. All right, let's move on to uh, AJ Brown and Julio Jones. This one stresses me out. AJB yeah. is week to week. Um, not off to a great start this year. I think he had 14 points in week one. Uh, week two didn't look great. Week three he got hurt pretty early. So um, not ideal. But, again, we're talking about a guy who has been a proven stud. Week two he was two catches away from another 50 yards, maybe a touchdown, and there's no telling what he could have turned those into. He's a yak guy, you know. So, I mean, we're talking about real drops. That ball hit him right in the hands. You can't predict drops. Uh, it's, it's unfortunate, but you shouldn't expect it to happen in the future. So, say he catches those two, those two balls. If that's PPR, uh, we're talking two plus five. It's a seven, at least another seven points in week two. At least, maybe more. Depends on how long he, or how far he turns those runs into. I'm not panicking there. He's actually a guy that I'm trying to acquire if anybody's willing to sell. A lot of people forget, last year he played through two injuries, two knee injuries. Um, he had them both repaired this offseason through a procedure, not surgery. Um, and But he's, he's still produced. So Tannehill looked bad in week one. HAB had two drops in week two. He was hurt in week three. Not a great script. That offense is looking a lot better. Week two and week three, they bounced back. It's no reason to panic. If you can get AJB, do it. Julio's look good, too. Um, I don't know what I'm willing to pay for Julio because I think his potential is capped in that offense um, because I think AJB is going to get a bunch of balls, too. So I don't know. On, on Julio, that one's always tough for me. Um if someone's willing to sell low, I might might buy, but I don't think he's a top 10 receiver this year by any means. Probably not even top 20, maybe top 25. Okay. What are your thoughts? All right. I don't have much to add here. Uh, for redraft, I am concerned. Julio's there. It's a new offense, new offense coordinator. So I, I would be concerned for redraft. I'd probably be willing to move him for a – For Julio? Uh, you know, Julio you're concerned with? No, AJB, I'm concerned with. I, I'm probably willing to move him in redraft because uh, his new no. offense coordinator, the injuries are there. You know, if I can get like a Cooper Cup, I'd do it. If I could get. I don't think you're getting Cooper most Cup. Of the... <laughs> uh, I wouldn't do it for Mike Williams that we talked about earlier, but I, I'd be willing to move AJB. So I guess, okay, so if you had to rank AJB for rest of season redraft, where would okay. you rank him? He's not inside the top 12. Okay, so where do you have him? I haven't done well the rest of the season rankings, but he'd probably be a back-end or a wide receiver, too. Okay, so you're like thinking 23-24? Okay. I won't argue. I've already said everything I have to say. I think that's okay. bold to a okay. degree because he's still getting targets. He's still getting opportunities. Todd Downing hasn't changed much other than the fact that Henry's getting a few more targets. Okay. But that's yeah. my personal opinion. I'm still trying to get AJB. Yeah, I see. Julio's looking, Julio's looking better than I expected. I, I like Julio not as a top 25 option. I like him more like a top 36. But yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. All right. You ready to move on? Yep. All right. All right. Let's hear last question. I've already said so much, but um, again, this just goes back to Shanahan. Um, not happy with his coaching decisions. You've got three, your top three draft capital. You haven't been using. You finally got uh, Sermon in the game, and uh, granted, he didn't look great the first half. I can, I, I can, I can confidently state that. I won't argue against that, right? You know, I think he had three carries for negative three yards, which isn't good, but. They had no holes. Like those were runs that were plugged. I don't think anybody's going to get much more than maybe five yards total. So we're talking about a difference in eight yards, which isn't which isn't good. You don't want negative three yards. Period. I'm not trying to defend that, but again, there was no opportunity to run. There, these guys are hitting them in the backfield. Um, he had a drop pass that was bad. You can't drop passes. You're a guy looking for more opportunities. You're trying to prove yourself. You can't drop a pass, right? So. Those two things did not look good in the first half. He had a drop pass and didn't didn't have positive yards. I don't think. But let me ask you this: Are you okay. are you now out on Trey Sermon? Where where are you at? Well, hold on. Let me finish because I'll okay. get there. Okay. So second half looked much better. Didn't look like a stud. But he looked like an adequate back. Okay. So this is his first game he's played. What do you mean? Don't don't. What do you mean? Didn't look. He looked okay in the second half. I. Uh, why, why did he not look good? I just think that's a line anyone can really be successful in. I just didn't think he looked good. He didn't look good the whole time. He'd break off big runs. There. I'm selling him. I'm selling him. I'm out. Jeff Wilson's for back what? in a few weeks. If I, can get back, if I can get him back for the value that I paid for him, which is like a mid-second, I'm doing that. Yeah, I probably would do that too, but I don't think that you're getting that right now. Yeah, I mean, there's some believers out there like yourself. I don't know. I, I already I'm telling you, I've Tony already Pollard. said I'm not giving a second for him. I'm definitely not giving you Tony Pollard. I don't know what the hell that was about. <laughs> All right, see, so Trey Sermon to me, his value is depleted. I, 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 he has very limited opportunities here. He's in the doghouse. Jeff Wilson, who actually is friends with Kyle Shanahan and productive, <laughs> is coming like back here in a few weeks. And I, I think it gets more complicated, and he's losing his opportunity to shine. And, and Elijah Mitchell comes back next week, too. So, so here's the thing. Everyone wants to talk about how Trey Sermon wasn't good. Okay, Elijah Mitchell, the week before, looked terrible, too. They didn't open up any holes for him. Yeah, but Elijah actually flashed his two weeks he had. I mean, I know he, he had limited numbers. Week. He didn't flash in week two. He did not okay. look like anything special in week two. But I will give you week one. But the point yeah. is, if Trey Sermon had those same opportunities, would he have done the same thing? I don't know. Because we haven't seen opportunities with holes, right? Well, I didn't like his draft profile either. So, I, yeah, I was no, already out of with. A lot of people are out because of that, and then now you have um, lack of effort, or they're affirming their belief that he's already bad. And I get that, right? See, I'm, I'm coming from the opposite spectrum where I believe he's good. So I want to see real opportunities. I thought he was going to get that last week, and I think he had nine, ten carries, which is Thank okay, you. but. Not great. So um, I hope, I really hope that uh, Trey Sermon gets at least one more week. I, I think he did enough in the second half to earn more opportunities. He scored on the touchdown. Um, and he also picked up a really good block. I don't know. A lot of people don't want to talk about that. But that definitely would have been a sack. And dude took out the other guy's leg. So he, he made some plays in the second half. First half looked bad. I don't know if he did enough. We'll find out. I hope he did because I want to see a real opportunity. Once he gets a real like once Shanahan actually gives him some carries, uh, like a significant amount, and they have some holes, then that's when we can make our decision. I can't make a decision based on he had five carries where he's hitting the backfield 
before he gets the line of scrimmage. Like that's that's it's I mean, so hard to assess somebody that way. It was a matchup against Green Bay. It's not really known for their their defense. Especially that's a change the fact that they get hit in, the, in the backfield. Like that's not Trey's fault, right? Would you say uh, Trey no. getting hit in the backfield is fault? No, but like I, I expect my running backs to create on their own. I, I hope he can fight back to the line of scrimmage. I hope that he can get some and, sort of production out there. But we're also talking about a sample size of ten. Not, right. We're not Elijah Mitchell's got what he got sixteen carries the first game. I don't know. I think he got fifteen the second game, so that's thirty. That's a little bit better. I just, I just want to see the opportunities, and then if he doesn't okay. do anything, I will I will change my stance. Well, I think and the window is. The window is short for running backs. I, I think they have to flash early and, you know, like wide receivers take time to develop. It's like two years now for running backs. It's like they're supposed to come out the gate hot. You know, that's kind of like okay, the so expectation. Let me, let me ask you this. You remember Jonathan Taylor yeah. last year? Yeah, slow start. Everyone's panicking on him. I got you. Yourself included. Myself included. Yeah. So I right. think it was week right. eight or nine. I had been trying to give you a first-round pick for him all year. A late first. All year, and I can't I can't replace a running back with a late first. What do you mean first. a late first? That was a first overall pick. What are you talking about? That was not a late first. No, you're offering me Roshan's first round pick, which was literally pick one ten because he won the league. I don't know that I had Roshan's. It was definitely pick one ten though, and yeah, I definitely I'm pretty sure it was Roshan's. Me and you both robbed him on a regular basis. My my earliest pick was the second round. I had an early oh, first round. Pick oh well, you're you're an active trader. You're an active trader. Agreed. It was a, it was definitely a late a late first, and the thing is, I'm not going to trade a once premium running back for a for a potential to get maybe a receiver because the running back's going the first like you know five picks. Well, that's I mean we also got Justin Jefferson at, at pick ten last year, so let's not let's not make that assessment that everybody had pick eight nine ten's bad. But the point is this: by week nine, those we had changed scripts. You were willing to accept that first round pick, and I said, "Nah, I've seen nine games. That's that's plenty for me." And the, and what did we do? Both both of us were too quick to make an assessment. Right? right. That's nine weeks. So if we're given Jonathan Taylor nine weeks, granted, Jonathan Taylor is a much highly uh, a much more talented running back, and I have no problem saying that. That's facts. We're not we're not uh, done here. We're not done here. We're like 43 minutes in and we got a lot to go over. We're like oh, halfway through our topics. So the right. point is this. I want to see opportunities, and uh, until then, I'm not shifting. Once I see those opportunities, if he has 15, 20 touches this next week and it's bad, then, then okay, all right, I'll move on. But I want to see some holes. I want to see real opportunities not getting hit three yards in the backfield. He will not get 15 opportunities this entire year unless Man. there's injuries. Well, yeah, well, well, that's what I'm banking on right now for sure. Like, okay, <laughs> banking right. on injuries next week because if everyone's healthy, I don't think it's happening. So, well, Elijah's back next week, so I'm not banking on 15. Then I mean, we'll see after that. Well, Elijah's questionable, right? I didn't see I'm, anything. I'm pretty sure he's expected back. I, I don't know the official news yet. Okay. All right, all right. Let's move on to Javante Williams here. It's your turn. I just went went in. <laughs> He's still splitting carries with Melvin Gordon. If you want to start him, I, I've actually started him in a few leagues, um, and it worked out for me. Uh, but as far as like the running back, I thought he was because he was my RB one for this draft class for dynasty purposes. Um, just just to explain that for you, I think Najee Harris from the, the get go was going to be the most productive running back year one and two. I just think Javante would have the better career as a whole. So, but anyway, 
I don't know if I would call him disappointing right now. Um, no, definitely not. No, but he's not start worthy right now either, right? Like you don't feel good starting him. I mean, like you know, fourteen for forty-five, thirteen for sixty-four is not bad, and then twelve for twenty-nine against the Jets. Like he's not playing top defense yet. Yeah. Well, okay. So my opinion on Javante, I like Javante. He was my number two running back for dynasty and redraft. Um, maybe actually, I might have had him. In ironically, I think I had Trey Sermon higher for a redraft because I thought he was going to get the start out the gate. That was clearly yeah. wrong. But um, yeah, so Javante's the better talent, no doubt. And um, he was my number two running back. I have him in a few leagues. I actually started him in two that I need just needed somebody to play. Um, yeah, same. Here's the thing, guys. Everyone, if you expected a rookie to come in and unhinge Melvin Gordon, an all-pro running back who's had a great career. We're talking great. Like, Austin Eckler played in his wake. Like, Melvin Gordon's been a stud. So if you expect Javante Williams to come in and just take his job, you have ridiculously high expectations of Javante Williams. And Javante Williams is good. Like, borderline elite, in my opinion. But – there's no way that you should expect him to have um, a full workload. I do want to look up the snaps here, though. So if you got any other things you want to say, I got I got you a stats right here. It went from fifty to forty-one to forty for Javante. So he's lost snaps per week, not a lot, but still. percentage percentage wise. It could yeah, just be gangster related though, because they went from the Giants to Jacksonville to the Jets. Like, I don't know. Like, maybe they're just protecting an asset by putting Melvin Gordon out there. That's possible. That's that's possible. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not worried about it. But he has the workload he's getting early on while splitting carries makes me feel really good about owning him in the second half of the season. Yep. Agreed. Uh, he's a guy yeah. I'm not trading. Actually, I just traded. This was a lot, man. I just gave Keenan Allen for him. Wow. To hate it. Wow. Dynasty, and I had Cortland Sutton, AJ Brown, and. Amari Cooper. So he was my number Yeah, someone tried to make me overpay for Elijah Mitchell. They were asking me for a um, uh, Terrence Marshall for Elijah Mitchell in a second. And I was like, no. And they're like, yeah, I thought your receiver core was pretty big. You give me a discount. And I'm like, not for a couple week rental, maybe. I yeah, do well, that. I think there's going to be a point where Javante is going to be a guy who legitimately is a top five back and you're not going to be able to get him. And so, okay. If, the fact that I don't think I'm competing for a championship this year, I said, let me go ahead and trade away Keenan, who's old, for a young Javante. I think I've got six first-round draft picks in this league in the next two years. So pretty excited about that. And it just kind of made sense for my team, I felt like. Plus, Terrace Marshall, Rashad Bateman sitting on that bench. So okay. patient. All right, let's, let's, let's move on here. Let's move on to uh, Brandon Cooks. Brandon let me start Cooks. off with my, with my apology of being the majority that faded. I feel like I'm the majority. That faded in this year because I thought he was, you know, he had a history of great quarterbacks and Tom Brady, um, Drew Brees, <sighs> Jared Goff. He's always been on good teams with great coaches. And then now the coaches are gone. The quarterbacks are gone. He's the number one for once. Well, he's the number one in the New England. But besides that, he's always been the number two. And um, absolutely proving me wrong. He is, he is, as you put it, quarterback group. And I'm with you, Jake. So I, here's the thing, Mike, and, you know, off the top of my head, this is just something that kind of came to mind. So we talked about how quarterbacks affect receivers, but it's not just that either. So Mike Williams is a great example of how scheme and coaching affects these players. 
So if you have a guy who's able to produce in different schemes, different coaching, and different quarterbacks, I think that's just – and maybe that's something we note for the future. Like, you had a good point with quarterbacks. I get that. But when you have a guy who's produced with five teams, that says a lot. Like, it's not – because it's not just quarterbacks. They're playing with different personnel, different schemes, different coaching. So uh, let's note that for the future because I think that's significant. I will. I will. I made a foolish trade two years ago when I actually got picked up as an orphan. My very first super flex. I traded Deontay Johnson for Brandon Cooks, like straight up, and going into his sophomore year. And um, I'm now back to back champions in that league, which is just, just hilarious. It's just, it just comes, I, it just, I, you know, that's fantasy. I don't hate that trade. I like Brandon Cooks. I don't know that I don't want Brandon in any league. It sucks that he's getting older, though. Yeah. I mean, what, he's only 27, 26, 28. 28. Okay. All right. Let's move on. Let's move on. Okay. Adam Thielen touchdown regression. Now, I feel you, you feel pretty strongly about this one. So, you want to go ahead? Yeah. So, here's the thing, guys. Um, a lot of people are like, you know, uh, touchdowns are not necessarily repeatable, predictable stat, right? Um, but I don't necessarily agree with that. I think maybe historically, when you have, again, you know, different coaching, different schemes, a player might be utilized different ways. But when a guy is consistently putting up touchdowns, that to me, that's you shouldn't be punished and expect that player to regress because, to me, that's an indication that this player exceeds in the red zone, right? You have a guy that has shown he can produce in the red zone. He's a capable target. Why would you stop throwing to that target the next year? It doesn't make sense. You can throw the ball to him in the end zone. You know he's going to catch it and come down with it. So it's like these jump ball guys, uh, Thielen's one of them. Like He's a guy who can just go up and get the ball. And I, I don't like to – especially when it's consistently happening. Like, Dillon's been doing this for years. It's not a one-off thing. Claypool, I think he's going to have touchdown regression. I said the same theory whenever we talked about him, but um, he also has Matt Canada there now, so different coaching. Um, but, yeah, Dillon's a stud. I wish he wasn't getting older because he is going to be – would have been good, has been good for a long time, but he's running out of years. Right. I got nothing really to add to that. Um, if Thielen does go down, obviously just Jefferson's there. But oh, yeah. we talked about KJ Osborne before, and I think KJ Osborne can, can step up. So just just name that they're out there. Do we um, do we have a uh, banner on him? Do we talk about nope. him later? We didn't add um something worth mentioning. Talking about now? Yeah, something worth mentioning. So you and I had actually discussed that trade: the Will Fuller, KJ Osborne. Um, yeah. Didn't happen, but. Something noteworthy, right? KJ Osborne fell off this week. Why? Well, Tyler Conklin popped off, right? So now you have it looks like they switched their personnel up this week. I'm actually gonna pull it up real quick. Bear with me okay. here. I think this is worth discussing. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, so with, with these Vikings receivers, I, I just I talked about this last week and now I feel more strongly about it, is that the Vikings are going through a transformation phase where they're no longer a run-first offense. I think now they're playing behind a lot more. Their defense is no longer what it was two years ago, three years ago, that they're letting Kirk actually throw the ball downfield now. And so that's where I'm at with it. And so I, I feel confident starting – I would feel good starting KJ Osborne as like a flex option in deep leagues. Okay, so I was I was definitely wrong. I'm glad I looked it up, so I'm not giving you guys bad information. KJ Osborne had the same amount of snaps uh, in week two as he did week three. Uh, sorry, snap share percentage. So um looks like Tyler Conklin's just going to be involved. KJ's going to be involved. It's just a matter of predicting which weeks. That's. It sounds like there's a lot of mouths to feed there now, as if there wasn't before. But 
Before, I think it was Irv Smith and just the two big receivers. Now we've got K.J. Osborne throwing the mix, having a great sophomore year. Absolutely. And just just so everyone knows, Kirk Cousins' attempts attempts this year so far are 49, 32, 38. He is absolutely on a tear. He's I think he's locked in like Q, like our top QBA for me this year. He's just going to be throwing a lot this year. And, and I've always thought he was underrated, so I'm I'm actually pretty excited that he's out there throwing the ball. All right, Mike, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you props here because this isn't me uh, taking a taking a W on this one. I remember when we were discussing rankings, you were like, Jake, why the hell do you have Kirk Cousins so low? And I think you actually did convince me that I had him a little bit too low, maybe not as high as what you thought, but sounds like uh, you were on to something there, and I was I was wrong on that one. So good good call on Kirk. Hey, I appreciate it. Um, all right, let's move on to the next topic here. We got DJ Moore and Sam Darnold. Let's hear it. This one pissed me off. Let me tell you why. <laughs> okay. So, so I'm glad Sam Darnold's having a better year. DJ Moore's a stud, right? But I watched that game, and I particularly watched Terrace Marshall because that's a guy that I have um, been watching for a long time, a guy that I wanted to succeed in the NFL. And he's running a ton of snaps. Like he's going to get involved. I'm going to go pull that up because that's also worth discussing. And that is okay. the Carolina Panthers. But here's the thing. I mentioned the snaps. So he ran 62% of routes this year, just 2% under, not this year, sorry, 62% last week. Uh, and that's just 2% under Robbie Anderson and 12% less than DJ Moore. So they're running a lot of, two wide receiver sets, and they're just alternating between the three. That's what I noticed during the game. I also noticed Pierce Marshall was open a ton, but DJ Moore and Darnold are just staring at each other. Darnold is just watching. So it didn't matter if Terrace Marshall was open, and I hope that changes. They have to, right? Like, you have to go back and watch film after the game, and the coach has to be like, yo, like, I'm glad DJ Moore's a stud, but Terrace Marshall was wide open. Why did you not throw the ball to him? Um, I hope that's a good discussion that's had because Terrace Marshall's time's coming soon. Like he's playing yeah, all I, snaps. I agree. He's there. He looks open. Um, the air yards aren't there, so he's not getting the targets. But uh, maybe it's a next year thing. Robbie Anderson looks toast, but Robbie Anderson just got extended, so that's interesting. Robbie um, Anderson's like what two targets for two 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 catches? This whole, yeah, but he he played year? the snaps. It's just I think it's just again. I'm not trying to knock. Um, I don't think he's toast. I think it's a matter of. Darnold wasn't looking at anybody. Like DJ Moore had like what fifteen targets. It was something stupid. Yeah. Well, Robbie Anderson's snap share has gone down three weeks in a row. Not saying that's going to continue that trend, but yeah. it has gone down three weeks in a row. Oh, you're right. Sam, Sam Darnold is a player that I've I I own like no Sam Darnold. I, I'm a Patriots fan, so I'm not like out there for the Jets. But he's always a player I wish like found found his ground, found his feet, and yeah. I'm excited that Sam Darnold is out there succeeding. Agreed. I think he's like QB six on the year or something ridiculous like that. Um, now I will say this though, Jake, this last game when Christian McCaffrey went out, that offense looked a little slower. Yeah. So um, and Dan Arnold got traded, so there's gonna be a little more free targets for your boy Terrence Marshall or Robbie Anderson or but, uh, Tommy Tremble. I don't know if we have him on here, but he's probably worth mentioning. Oh, we should we should talk about him. You want to just roll into us and talk about the Panthers right yeah, now? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I know they ran. Was it a reverse to him or a sweep? He got a, he got involved in the run game, and I know he had a touchdown this week. He he looked. I think he impressed enough to where they said, "Okay, we can move." Um, who did they just? Dan Arnold. 
right? Yeah, yeah they moved him. Where did Dan go? I'm drawing a blank here. He went to the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's right. Yep, yep. I <laughs> thought that was a silly What was that? Henderson and yeah. they gave a third and him for Henderson. He was a first-round pick. CJ Henderson was a first-round pick a year ago yeah. from Florida. He played like six snaps, was injury-riddled. Um, and I, and he was, I remember reading like earlier in the season, they were trying to shop him out for trades. So he must've been in a doghouse somehow. Um, a dog I, but I thought, thing, man. yeah, it is. I, I, but I did think that they got like a, what was it? They traded away a fifth and CJ Anderson for Tom, which everyone a third. And I thought actually that was pretty good value. They got their round pick back out of that. Yeah. And a tight end, which they need because they, they, they've been targeted today. Like James O'Shaughnessy got like, I think like eight targets one week. And it's just like, why? He's not talented. So, uh, Tom and Tremble for Dynasty, definitely Adam. Uh, Jake, I know he's on my waiver wire. So, how much value you putting on? Well, give me a percentage. Yeah, you know, I was just thinking that. So, I, I, can, so sure. I can beat that. So, here's the thing. My boy Dalton Schultz is popping off. So, I don't know. I don't okay. know that I'm, I mean, it fits my it fits my team strategy. So, I mean, I'm probably going to bid the whole thing, dude. So, you're going to probably bid 100% if you want to beat me, you know? I might bid some, you know. I, I'm I actually mean, in yeah, trade talks for now to get rid of 100%. Might as well go 100%. There's a team in our, in our league looking to get Tyler Higby. I might just shop out Tyler Higby and out of Tommy Temple. There you go. Sounds like you got a strategy. Right. But yeah, he's I a guy do, that I, I want in Dynasty as well. Redraft, I don't know that I'm ready to uh, throw too much at him just yet. Okay. All right, let's move on to uh, Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines. All out right. of all the. Out of all the top running backs out there, I, I'm going to say that I think Jonathan Taylor is the current bust so far of the class. This is just three weeks in, so I'm not panicking a little, the a lot. bust? Yeah, I like the top, you know, your top yeah. eight running back drafted. Well, um, I don't like calling anybody a bust at that pedigree. I don't think Jonathan Taylor's been a bust because he's been productive when he's touching the ball. From a fantasy perspective, like – you definitely want more out of a guy you've spent this much on, right? Like, Absolutely. he's not cheap. If you draft him, you spend a lot, and you can't trade him. Like, you're not going to get. It's actually interesting. Somebody put Jonathan Taylor on the block in one of my redrafts. Would you trade DeAndre Swift for Jonathan Taylor right now? In redraft. Oh, that's tough. I'm. I'm gonna say no. I wouldn't. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like. That's a tough one for me because Naeem Hines vultured a touchdown. Naeem Hines looked good. Man, it's so crazy that we, like, like, it's a conversation that a ton of people are having in the offseason. Like, what's Naeem Hines and J.D. McKissick going to do to Antonio and Jonathan Taylor? A lot of people are like, well, Jonathan Taylor's so talented. Antonio Gaines is so talented. Antonio Gates, I'm sorry. Antonio Gibson is so talented, like, that they're going to just – get all the opportunities, and it hasn't been like that. Naeem Hines, Jaden McKissick clearly carved a role last year, and they've retained those roles. They, they did well, and it seems to work. So it sucks, but I don't think Jonathan Taylor is going to have the year that he had last year. And, again, I, I, I'm big on the four-week sample size. I, 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 Go ahead. Right. I just don't get it. I don't get it because the coach, the coach offseason was like, yeah, he he earned more snaps. And what he's he's fifty five percent, forty five percent, forty eight percent this year. Yeah, and it's just like I do think Naeem's is skilled. I just don't understand why you can't put Naeem Hines in the slot. Maybe you know, maybe run some more two running back type sets. But like 
even this last game, he was he was effective for ten for sixty four. And like you know, Jake, no no offense, but some offense. The Titans' defense is not good, and they wouldn't let him run on the Titans' defense. Titans have a top run defense every year. Same with last year. We had the worst. That's just facts. We had the worst uh, third down defense league last year, and everyone's gonna okay. pass all over us. We're gonna get passed on all year. We looked a lot right. better this year, actually, but but our run defense is not bad, dude. Like that's where we usually excel in the last two years when we've been really bad, we've at least stopped the run. I don't know if that's selling out to stop the run and then giving up the pass game. I think it's just because our cornerbacks sucked last year. They're doing a lot better this year. Right. But All right, so I, speaking of the pass game, though, for, for Jonathan Taylor, like he saw seven targets week one, felt good about that. Then he saw one target. It's the Rams. Like, okay, whatever. And then he saw three against Tennessee. I just I don't understand his usage. I don't know why he's not more involved. I am concerned as a Jonathan Taylor owner in a couple of leagues, and I, I'm wondering, Jake, do I sell Jonathan Taylor? Like, do I get Javante Williams plus a first? Dude, I don't know, and that's 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 kind of where like my whole mindset is with this is the Shanahan approach. Like, I don't understand the coaching approach, and that's what pisses me off because we see the talent, we know these guys are great, right? Like Jonathan right. Taylor can do everything Niam Hines can do. I think. Would you believe that as well? Yeah, I do. Yeah, and, and same with Antonio Gibson and JD McKissick. Like Antonio Gibson was a college receiver. So you think he can't catch the ball as well as JD McKissick? I don't believe that, you know? And so uh yeah, I guess I guess I'm I'm not panicking, but I'm definitely concerned because I did not expect Niam Hines to be this involved and I don't I don't know if I would trade I, I honestly don't know if I would trade DeAndre Swift for Jonathan Taylor straight up and redraft uh redraft. Like I don't know that I would do that. But okay. I think Jonathan Taylor is the better running back, no doubt. Right. Alright, let's let's just move on. Let's do, let's do some do you mind if we do some lighting, some like 30 second, whatever? Just yep. one opinion each side and just move on. Alright. Got you. All right, so we got Dalton Schultz and Blake Jarwin here. I'll start off. Um, me and Jake argue back and forth because he has Schultz. I have Jarwin. I now think it's in favor of Schultz. Jarwin's still the running, the tight end getting paid. He was hurt, torn ACL, didn't get back to practice till super late preseason. I still think this is a split, but I think if you're desperate for a tight end, like, you know, it's depleted, you don't have a top tight end, you want to stream Schultz. I think Schultz is the one to stream. It's Schultz over Jarwin for me the rest of the season. But if one goes down, the other one for me becomes a tight end one. What about yeah. you, Jake? I won't, I won't disagree there. Again, um, this was a situation that I looked at very similar to Tony Pollard and Zeke, right, which is ironically the same team. You have a younger back or younger player coming in who's looking better than the guy who was supposed to be the better player. And, and they've proven, um, the Cowboys, that they don't mind to play that younger, less expensive player. That's Pollard and Schultz. Like Blake Jarwin's the paid guy, Zeke's the paid guy, and they're both involved. But but Dalton Schultz, I think he's the guy to own. I really do. I think he's what seventh ranked tight end right now. And he I couldn't tell off the top of my head, but it's got to be up there. He was top five last year. Whenever it was uh, when Jarwin went down and while Dak played together, so Dak likes to target Schultz. Uh, so again, uh, just to close things out quickly, Schultz over Jarwin for me in dynasty and redraft. Okay, Schultz is five right now. He was eleven last year, yeah. but let's move on. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. All right, I think Jamar Chase is now the number one in the one A. T. Higgins is the one B. 
they're going to get into each other once T. Higgins comes back. Jarwin, or Chase, though, I was wrong. I talked about how he might have a slow start this year. Jamar Chase is absolutely having a great year. He is a lock. I mean, he's not dropping below wide receiver three for me, that's for sure. So I think he's a lock. I don't know. Back end wide receiver two, some boo potential. I wish Joe Burrow looked a little better, but Jamar Chase is an every week starter for me. Yeah, I thought I thought uh, Joe Burrow actually did finally look better this week. Um, Jamar Chase, I'm just glad they painted those stripes on the ball so he could come down with it because he's looking great now. Uh, T. Higgins, <laughs> yeah, uh, he's been. T. Higgins is a guy that I've loved. I actually have him in a couple leagues. I'm really excited about him. Uh, I don't know if it's a one A and one B. I don't know that one's going to outperform the other. I think it's going to be a bat, like a week to week thing where one's just going to outperform okay. the other. And they're both. I think they're both going to finish as top twenty four receivers. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, just so you know, Joe Burrow last year averaged forty attempts per game. So far this year, he's at twenty seven, thirty, and eighteen. I thought that was interesting. Not great. Yeah. That's not great. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to the next topic. James Robinson season. Is it back on? Let me say first, it is. No, I, I can't say that with confidence. Urban Meyer looks like he used his running backs for once. James Robinson looked like his usual self. A fumble, okay, looked bad, but he looked very efficient. Um, he he is now back to a weekly starter for me until he proves me wrong, and I hope not. But I, I'm back on James Robinson. He's a RB2 for me now. It looks like Urban Meyer figured out that he needs to use the run game in the NFL. Um, I, th- I think you're probably onto something. I think Urban Meyer, you know, it's funny. I don't know if y'all saw that comment. Urban Meyer said it's Alabama every week in the NFL because you're not, yeah, I saw that. like, this isn't something you can just half ass. You have to come out and game plan because, like, you look at college spreads, like, Alabama can be a 60 point favorite. The most you're going to see in the NFL is like 14, 17 points. 17, like, really is pushing it because these dudes can ball. So you got a game plan and <laughs> you can't come out and half ass it. Looks like he finally figured that out. I, I, I do, um, I do hope James Robinson has a good year. I don't. I know you think I just hate the dude. Um, I just. I just don't necessarily believe in his talent. Uh, I think Etn would have had this backfield, but. Um, but yeah, hopefully the utilization is there because they looked like a better team when he was doing that. All right, let's go on to the next topic. We got Brandon Ayuk here. Um, doghouse to start the season. Looks like he got the snap share back. That's for sure. Um, dropped a touchdown pass. Made it up later in the game. Um, it's Brandon Ayuk back, and my question, or not my question, my answer is um, I think they rotate, actually. Kittle and Debo and Ayuk are all healthy at the same time. This is probably the first. I don't think that happened last year almost at all. I don't think um, they so I, Yeah, so I, I, I think it's a, it's a, you know, you just got to take your best shot on that one. You just got to pick them. So I've got the numbers for you here. Okay. Debo played 90% this past week, and Brandon Ayuk was at 86 Kittle's on 100. He's a every down tight end, 95 percent, 100 percent, 100 percent. So that's his snap share across three weeks. Kittle's going to be out there. It's a matter of whether he's blocking for an atrocious offensive line or what they're doing. But Jen Sherfield played three percent. I think he's done. I think Ayuk's out of the doghouse. I guess he. I don't know what these players are doing in college Shanahan, but I think he, they're having inappropriate relations with somebody in his family because he is disrespected. Ayuk had a hell of a year. He should be playing. Trey Lance gives a dude a chance. Let Aaron Banks get a chance. Like Trey Sermon, give him a decent opportunity. I don't know what this guy's doing, but Brandon Ayuk, I, I did. A lot of people were like, "Oh, Brandon Ayuk can be dropped." I wasn't one of those guys. I hung on to him, had him in two leagues, still have him. So I'm being right. patient with Ayuk. I think he's going to be fine, and the snapshot would indicate the same. 
I have on almost every redraft league too. Um, I am concerned when Trey Lance comes in only because it's a dual threat rookie quarterback, as I talked about throughout this this early couple weeks here. But yeah, I'm 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 stock up for Grand Ayuk so far. So let me ask you a quick question: Do we how many? Okay. First off, how many more do we have after this? Topics. One. What? We're gonna skip one and we're gonna do one. We'll talk about okay. one next week. Quick question then. Okay, so this is one of my favorite ways to frame the Trey Sermon argument. Trey Sermon's okay. best year was at Ohio State, where he read a, ran a spread offense with Justin Fields. Trey Lance, first overall draft pick, who's going to run a spread offense in San Fran. Do you yeah. think that that was part of the plan to utilize those two together? Do you think that's a possibility? I don't know what the plan for Trey Sermon was because he was very unsuccessful in Ohio State until the last like three weeks. But I don't know if that's correct, but I don't know. I I didn't believe that to be correct, but maybe that's correct. So I just to look just look at his box scores, and you'll see what it looks like okay. for for all season. But um, I I don't know. I I don't really think change. I I don't know, man. That's a that's a hard question. I don't think he would change what he's already doing because his offense is pretty 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 good last year. They were pretty banged up, but like when they connected. But it it kind of makes a lot of sense when you see. Trey Lance not playing, and your third round running back not playing. Okay. It's like, okay, well, if he drafted Trey Lance, which he already knew he was there when he drafted Trey Sermon, thinking now we have our spread offense running back. It's just a possibility. I don't want to sit here and keep making excuses. This is something I talked about in the right. preseason. Uh, so it's just something to note. Uh, I'm still trying to stay patient with him. Uh, sorry, next topic. <laughs> All right, our last topic here is Emmanuel Sanders. I brought this one up. I want to add to the show sheet here. Because I think Emmanuel Sanders is a weekly fix option, especially in deeper leagues here. Um, just uh, other analysts were saying this, and I'm just kind of piggybacking off of it. Through two weeks, I don't got the week three numbers, so I'm sorry. But through two weeks, he was 11th in air yards per target um, and air yards overall, both. He was he was topping. So that means that he that <clears throat> excuse me that Josh Allen is looking for Emmanuel Sanders downfield. He was throwing it downfield. They just weren't connecting. Um, and it looks like they connected as of like week three, but uh, yeah, I, I am in on Emmanuel Sanders. I'm putting some fab in tonight about him. Jake, don't don't put any fab in for him in our league. No guarantees, but um, uh, here's the thing: he doesn't fit my scheme, so you're good there. Okay, I probably shouldn't give you too much information. I'm probably right, right. dollars just to screw you over because I don't need you money <laughs> here anyways. But. Uh, <laughs> Here's the thing. So I, I'm i a Gabe Davis guy. He looked good in week one. I okay. want to pull up the snaps here, actually, because that's worth looking at here as well. Um, who are we talking about? We're talking about uh, uh, Emmanuel. Buffalo. Buffalo. Okay. All right. Emmanuel Sanders ran 80% of routes or snaps, was on 80% of snaps. Outperformed Stefan Diggs, who had 75. Gabe Davis, yes. who had 29. 66 for core. Uh, code. Kobe's so it looks like it's gonna be Yeah, it looks like you're right, man. Yeah, he's locked in number two in a high volume passing yeah. offense. They don't, have, they don't have a running back core. Uh, Zach Moss looked good, I'll give him that. Um, but typically they don't trust that running back core. Yeah, it looks like you could be on to something. Emmanuel Sanders isn't a scrub anyways. He looks like he's running the most routes. Yeah. Let's uh let's put some fab in on him if you're in a redraft league and you need need a, a deep stash. Right. Okay. Only if you're not in the league with me. That's cool. All right, that, that wraps it up. So uh, let's just talk about what we're going to do next week. Next week, me and Jake will talk about trade strategy, right? We're going to hit that week four mark, and we're going to talk to you about 
trade strategy. We, I think we got different different styles here. Jake's a little better than me because he, he's a little more methodical about it. We're not very impatient. I so I mean, yeah. yeah I mean, uh, that. So I don't know that we need to wait a whole week. Especially, it's probably better to discuss this while there's still players to buy low on. I think that's huge. I get a okay. ton of trades done. So if we're good, let's just roll into it real quick. Okay. Okay. All right. So run out of time. So thanks. Thanks for anybody who's hanging out and sticking around. But this is one of my favorite things to discuss in fantasy football. I think it's a massive way to um, to excel. And I have a lot of teams where I could give you great sample sizes of trades and how well I do in those leagues. Typically, the more trades I make, uh, the better I do. Um, but here's the thing with trades. A lot of people think that you have to get this massive win, right? And I'm, I'm not a guy that believes that. I'll take small wins over time because if you do enough trades, small wins turn into big wins, right? You just made subtle upgrades until you get to the point where you just had, if you look at where you started, you had this small asset that you turned into a large asset because you were able to buy low or sell high, right? So buying low, that's something we talk about. Buying low is an opportunity to get a player cheaper from what they than what they should be sold at. And my favorite players to buy low on are players that have a sample size that's significant, right? So Allen Robinson would be a good example, except he's in an awful situation. So another one would be Robert Woods. Robert Woods hasn't performed, but he's on the field. He has an excellent history, so that's a great buy low. We have a guy who's playing snaps and is, for some reason, through three weeks, has not done what he's done in the past. So you have a track record of successful fantasy play, and for some reason it just hasn't happened, right? So I've bought AJB already that way. Um, I bought, yeah, I bought him. I think he's the only player I've bought low on so far this season. I've tried with Terry Marshall. Actually, I did buy Elijah Moore. I don't know if I would call that low, but um, definitely if he had been popping off, the guy wouldn't have accepted the trade. So my favorite strategy is buy low, sell high. So I've sold high on David Montgomery immediately after week one. And I like David Montgomery, but that meant I was getting A.J. Brown and it fit my scheme. Um, also guys that are like I'm selling high on or just any like Rondell Moore. I would have sold high immediately in week two um, in redraft because I looked at a snap count and it, it was kind of an anomaly for a guy to be that successful on that few snaps. So you have to know these things. That doesn't mean that you should punish him. Like he does well when he gets opportunities, which is good. So he's probably going to earn more opportunities. But why did he not get those opportunities initially? So I actually had a guy offer me Robert Woods, for Rondell more straight up. I didn't make it in time to press accept. The dude withdrew it. I, so upset. But but it was offered. And I was like, yes, let's go. Like that's exactly what I'm looking for. And which is weird because he was buying high and selling low. That's the last thing you want to do. You want to lose your league, buy high and sell low. That is that is absolutely the number one way, in my opinion, to lose a league. Um so I've gone on for a minute, but I'm gonna keep going because there's something okay. else that I think is extremely noteworthy. So my favorite way to approach a trade is I say this. First off, I go look at their offense or their lineup and I say, what does this player need? Okay. And say they need a receiver. And I have a receiver that I think is a that I, that I have a receiver that's available to trade or that I don't value super high that I'm thinking this could be a good good guy for me to trade. He's he's a good player, but he's my number four receiver, for example. So I say, hey, so and so, you need a receiver. Uh, I don't say you need to receive that. I say, hey, so-and-so, I have this guy. Are you interested in working out a trade? 
if he says no on that player, don't make an offer, right? You always want to gauge interest because if you go in and say, all right, I'm going to give you um, Rondell Moore for Saquon Barkley, right? It's not a good trade, but say say the guy is low on Saquon Barkley, but he hates Rondell Moore. He says he's now offended. So you've offended the guy thinking you're offering a fair trade. That's not a good example of a fair trade, but the point is this. Gauge interest so you don't offend the player, okay? You don't want to say, hey, here's my offer, and then they, they don't like that player, and they love the player that you're trying to get. Now they're thinking this guy's trying to screw me over, and it happens, but that's a great way to get yourself in some trouble. Vice versa, if you get a garbage trade, Mike, what do we not do if you get a garbage trade? I want to hear what you got to say here because this is another massive strategy. By the way, oh, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get mad and like yell at the dude like in public stuff. Like absolutely, that, you know what I'm saying? I wouldn't do that. But it's just, it's just funny he said that because like my, my general trade. I don't. People value players differently, so I will okay. lowball trade to start. I, I absolutely will. But if, if they just outright like say no, I'm not discouraged about it. I'll, I'll up the price and just see what they're like That's about. So I really will. Here's the thing. So the, the, I guess the point I'm trying to make or what I was trying to get at there is um, – wait, what did I ask you? I lost my train of thought. Uh, what do we do when we low, when someone lowballs you? Okay, so yes. Number one, don't go blast in the league. Look what this idiot offered me. Okay, Because now if he thought he was really offering you a fair trade – now he's not going to be offering you any more trades because you went and put him on blast and he thought it was a fair trade. So that's really stupid. You don't want to ruin trade negotiations. So in Mike's situation where he sends me a low ball offer, uh, Mike and I are close, so I usually can be like, Mike, come on now. Like, yeah, know, yeah you know. absolutely, absolutely. But um, if it's somebody that doesn't know that I know football the way I do or know that Mike knows, way, knows football the way he does, I usually say, Hey, first off, I really appreciate the offer. And like, this is going to sound cheesy, but I'm dead serious. I will thank you for the offer because I always want you to send me offers. I don't care if you think it's a low ball. All it takes is one one player that you find a low ball that I like. So I'm going to thank you for your offer, and I'm going to say, I appreciate the offer, but it looks like you and I value these players much differently. And I'll state why. So, you know, he offered me uh, Will, Will Fuller for K.J. Osborne. I said I need to think on it. Thought it was a fair trade. I got back to him. I said, yeah, I'll do that. I think Mike got cold feet. I don't know what happened, but the point is this. It wasn't a fair trade. What do you mean? Oh, sure. Okay, well, I'll hang on to KJ. I, I, came, I, I came back, and I was like, hey, can you throw in a third? Because I, yeah. I think Will Fuller showed that he can be a one. He, he can actually be a one in offense. He could. So what happens I, when Thielen's gone next year? KJ Osborne's not the one. He's maybe a two. Maybe, but he's also in year two and he looks good. Justin Jefferson is clearly way more. T- Don't try to sell me on him right now. I'm not. I'm, I'm. I'm. I'm good with keeping him. I like KJ Osborne. Jeff, I Jeff, Jefferson Jefferson is the one out there, and if and if that Adam Thielen goes down, I think I think KJ Osborne can step in and be as successful too. Sure, that's where I'm at, and I'm at with Will Fuller. He's he's a free agent. Tua is not in right now, so I'm not really worried about his production right now. And, I mean, I like Will Fuller, so I'm not trying to knock the trade. That's not what I'm doing. Right. I'm just, no, no, I'm just no. Saying. I got you. I'm, I just trying to speak my sense to you. Like we're we're trying to sell our players. You know, we're trying to we're trying to hype them up. You know, we gotta Here's you gotta be a showman. You gotta sell your player. I don't believe okay. that at all. I hate that shit. If uh, someone's trying to sell me on a player, I'm like, first off, when you offered me the trade, I went and did all the research I believe is necessary. So whatever you're telling me, I don't care. I got you. And Jake, but not Jake maybe maybe research, not everybody does that. So I don't know. Yeah, not everybody in the league will do their research. So I'm trying to sell my players. And let me tell you what, all my players on any of my rosters are better than yours. All the time. 
That's funny. <laughs> I, I do sometimes send an offer. I think the other day I said, hey, Ken, Kenneth Gainwell's on the block. And one guy said, who? And I'm like, <laughs> the dude like thought that like I'm trying to sell some guy who's yeah. just absolute trash. And I'm like, hey, dude, like if you don't know Kenneth Gainwell, like I can't help you out. Like you should definitely know who that is because if Miles Sanders goes down, like that's a good value. Uh, so I was trying right. to sell him. And, and, Go ahead. and now you're selling him, bro. You're, you're being a showman, bro. You're, you're giving him the best value possible. No, I, did, I didn't respond. I just said, okay. Yeah. All right. If, you, okay, well, if, that, if that's your mindset, I'm, I'm probably not going to be able to convince you because you think I'm going to try I, and convince you. So, I want everybody in this in this this uh, this chat to know that Jake is one of the better traders ever I've been with. He, I, I am absolutely impatient. I am impulsive, and Jake is great. I thought hard about selling Will Fuller for for KJ Osborne. And these guys aren't significant players or not. They're probably not a make or break in right. fantasy, but they're, they're pretty great. But you know, I, you got to stick to your guns. Be be confident about it. And and if a trade is, if you see a trade offer and you think in your head, oh man, I don't know if this is good for me or not. Like you're, if you're on the line about a trade, it's probably a good trade. It's probably a pretty fair trade if you can't decide what side you you would rather. You know what's really irritating? It's really irritating. The people who know I do this, they like refuse to trade with me now. They like just because like I'm making an offer. They just assume that I'm automatically winning. And I'm like, look, there are such things as mutually beneficial trades. Like, I would say that it's that. You know, the... you know, Go ahead. I, I, I'm sorry to cut you off here. You taught me that, honestly. I remember sending you a trade one time. Where I'm new to Dynasty. And you were like, I think you're just upright. Like, how does this make my roster better? And I looked at it and I'm like, that's a personal problem. But I, I really thought <laughs> the whole time. I was like, I have no idea. I have no idea how that yeah. makes your roster. But I'm like, oh, that's, that's depth. And you're like, yeah, okay, I don't need depth. Um, but that, that's, <laughs> that's a pretty good that, that's a good lesson too is that you should look at your roster and look how you can better the other person's roster as yeah. well as yours too I mean you so want to like, win your league but but you so can say this fighter's an upgrade it's like the Javante uh, Keenan Allen trade so that's one of my buddies who who I okay so I offered I think it was like Cortland Sutton I didn't want to give Keenan I like Cortland too but I'd just rather have Keenan and he's a Broncos fan I said hey here you go you need a receiver I need a running back this is fair. Like it does what it needs to do. He says, "Well, why do you want Javante?" <laughs> like, well, shit. Like, if, why do I need to explain to you why I want somebody? Like, I just, I like the guy. So now he's thinking there's something I know that he doesn't know. And I'm like, dude, like, so I, I actually jokingly said I will give you. I think it was AJ Brown for somebody. It was a joke. I just wanted to AJ, test. It was AJ for Javante straight up. I remember this. It was quite, it was I said, I'll give you AJ Brown for Javante. He said, I think I'm good. I'm like, dude, I was like, first off, I'm kidding. Like, I'm trying to help you, but like, you clearly have already made up your mind. So I don't know what to yeah. tell you. Yeah. Um, I, hey, that's, that's, what you, that's the price for being intelligent in your trades. People yeah. just know you know your stuff. But, but again, uh, I really am looking for mutually beneficial trades because it helps both of us out. So that was kind of the goal there. I wasn't trying to screw him over. And he... Got you. Uh, one more tip, so I want to add, and maybe we can end on this too, is that um, you need to know your league mates. Um, and the, the our home league, me and Jake keep track of who favors fantasy pros trade charts, who favors you know this other company's <laughs> trade charts, who who looks at Mike Clay's trade charts. So that that's how we manipulate our trades because we, we make it look like it's a value to whatever their scale is. Right. And that's that. I think that's a pretty big key to um, 
being a good trainer, if you can get them to give up their information, like, oh, man, Fantasy Pro says this about it, and then you just take note, like, okay, this guy follows Fantasy Pro's trade charts. To a T, yep. And it's yeah. funny. Um, I, w- I will also add something that just came to my mind. I actually yeah. just implemented this strategy. It didn't work, but it's definitely worth trying because you're going to win a lot of trades by biased fans. Find the fans. Yes. Find yes. every NFL fan in your league. Like, I try and approach the Titans as unbiasedly as possible. I think I do generally a pretty damn good job of that. It took years of getting just torched, but now that we're actually good, it helps. Um, but find those fans and take advantage of it. I saw, I know in Will League, it was, um, I had Chase Claypool and get Dallas Goddard, and I knew the guy was a Steelers fan, so I offered um, those two for Mark Andrews and Cortland Sutton. <laughs> he said, no, and I said, and, and again, here's another another strategy. Hey, you declined the offer pretty quick. Were you just not interested in moving the players, or did you not like my offer? So now I can gauge if he just disliked the offer, or if it was he's just got a player that's not tradable. Those yeah. things are just things you need to note, and it's very effective. Just engaging in quick conversation because sometimes he's going to say, "No, I'm not interested in the guy that you think is better, and I like so and so." Oh shit! Well, perfect because I don't like so and so. You don't say that, but. You know, it's just simple conversation sometimes, but always be respectful. Sometimes right, you're right. gonna be like, "Oh, that." Sometimes you're gonna have somebody's like, "Oh man, that's just a terrible offer," and I'm just not. You know, let's say something disrespectful. You say, "Okay, I, thanks," and just stop well, engaging them. I'm a Patriots fan, and if someone offered me Toby Myers for a second, I'd probably do it. If he worse a second, I don't know. I think the Patriots should add somebody in the draft, and that'll lower Toby Myers' value down. But I'm biased, and someone offered me the top yep. receiver for the Patriots, I'm I'm in. Yeah, it's just. Yeah, and, and you have to understand your league mate's bias. Man, this is good. And we've got zero viewers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are you ready to end it, though? You've been on here for way too long. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, it was a tough okay. one. Uh, I love talking trade strategy, by the way. I know a lot of people love to tag me, uh, shoot me DMs on trade starts. Literally, like I'm telling you, I love talking trade. I study negotiations in grad school, so I'm pretty good at it and always happy to help. Um, yep. Mike, you got some great tips there too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, but hey guys, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for stopping by, and we will see you guys next week. Oh no, you'll see.